ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Hey. Joel Hetrick, welcome back to ATV Talk. How are you, brother? I'm um, good. Uh, really good after this win at High Point this weekend. How are you, Ben? I've been great. I've been great. Last time I talked to you, we were uh, we were going over uh, how it was out at Glen Helen and and what you were expecting in the off season and and um, so let, fill me in on how the year's been going. You can uh, start at the beginning and let let's walk our way through. All right. Yeah. So after Glen Helen, we had to had a big break until about December 30th and then went down to Decker training facility and trained until Daytona and, uh, just an awesome place down there. Got a lot of good riding and good testing and tuning. Um, and then headed to Daytona with, uh, you know, a goal to win and showed up and, and did just that with the, you know, conditions that we had. It was, it was pretty, pretty crappy conditions, honestly, but it was all about a whole shot. And, uh, you know, I got a pretty good start and guy in front of me, Brandon had some mechanical failure. So I, I, uh, got the win and I was just super stoked, like pretty emotional win. Not really sure why it was so emotional to me, but I I think it was cause I had a goal, had a plan and went in there and it, and it worked and just, uh, Daytona doesn't always go great. So it was, it was good to get that one under my belt. I got to watch part of that race and you know, talking with, with many other people that have watched you for years, they said that you were patient and reserved. Yeah. Uh, trying to, trying to turn a new leaf of, you know, actually understanding that the race is not, you know, going to go by as fast as uh, my mind thinks it is. So we just, I mean, I just held back and um, there, there was nothing I could do. You know, I tried like every line on the track and nothing was working. It was basically one line with two turns and, um, you know, Brandon was running a really good pace and it wasn't like I could just dive bomb inside and, and get under him because, you know, that wasn't the case, but, uh, I had like one, one or two more things up my sleeve before he had blown up. Um, if, if 
they didn't work out, then uh, it would have been a second second place day for me. But I wasn't going to let it go easy. I still had some fight left in me. There was like four laps to go, I think, before he ended up blowing up. Yeah, I would I would have liked to see how you pulled that off because the the angles and this and the view that we had, dude, there was like nowhere to pass. No, I mean, I don't even know. I Chad made it through from last to fifth, I believe. And I'm just blown away that he got up that far because there was nowhere to pass. And it was like a, literally a single goat path track and just brutal for all of us. But, uh, wish I would have got the whole shot. It would have been a lot better for me, but, um, doesn't always work out as planned and still worked out at the end of the day. So I was happy with that. Um, you know, and then just, and or no, what was number Texas was round two. Texas. That was a good race. Uh, Chad was catching me towards the end of or beginning or middle of uh, Moto One, I think. And I picked up on some of some of his lines and and pulled the gap back on him. So that that was a good race for me. Good good weekend. You won one there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, one one there, and one one today or no, one two at Aonia. We had a good battle, Chad and I, second moto. Another gnarly condition, muddy mess. Couldn't believe we even, you know, made it up the dang hole shot. It was so bad. Um, but I managed to get two starts up front, and that was that was super key for that because it was, it was another one that there was some lines, but there wasn't, you know, if you went out of the line, you, you were going off the track getting stuck, which I went off the track once while leading one of the motos. Uh, it was, it was easy to do. There was carnage everywhere. Aonia was tough. It was, do they normally run them when they're that bad? They do just, it, they'll hammer us through it. Pro and pro-am, they'll, they'll just hammer us through it. And I think there was the prep beforehand, the day before kind of enhanced the the conditions because it was, it was ripped up pretty deep and, and watered like I don't think they expected that much rain and man it rained like five hours straight of just hard rain and uh just absorbed all that made it made it a little bit sloppy mess and the whole shot was gnarly there was people you know barely going up the start straight like we looked like we were going five miles an hour everybody said um but you know there wasn't much they could do but there could have been you know maybe they could have pushed a little bit more off here and there but uh, later in the day, it actually turned out like Moto Two. There were some lines and decent, you know, places to pass, but it still was very hard uh, to make anything stick. Like I was on Chaz's bumper most of the Moto and trying different lines, but it would just I would lose time here and then gain some here, and uh, it was just really hard race. And the mud was so heavy, my helmet was down, punching my nose off basically is what it felt like. So it was a it was another tough condition. Do they run you the same time? Is it 20 plus two? Yeah, they do. They don't like shorten the distance or nothing. So it's 18 plus two, regardless of the, the crappiness. Wow. That's how does the, how does your Yamaha work versus your Honda in those conditions? Uh, it's, what, from what I've noticed, the ones I've raced so far, the Yamaha works uh, quite a bit better for me. I think it holds up a little bit better to the, the conditions, the water, the mud. And, uh, I don't know. I think the fuel injection helps it kind of get going, you know, get out of the mud faster, 
Uh, it's a little heavier, so I feel like it tracks a little bit better. Um, there's a there's a lot of pros to it. Now that I figured it out a little bit more and ran big tires a couple more times, it's just it's been getting better and better every time. But first time, you know, Dillard Mud Race that wasn't so great last year when I ended up sliding in too hot, caught wreck. So we haven't done that and getting better with the mud, the bike, and the setup in the mud. So going into high point, where, where was your mind? Uh, I thought I was pretty confident going into high point just from my recent, you know, success there in the years. So I was fine. And then it seemed like Saturday morning, I was like kind of nervous, stressed in a little bit for no reason. I, I mean, I qualified great and, uh, just had some nerves for some reason. And I said at the race, I was like, I butchered my first moto start. I came out, I like, didn't hit the gas. I thought I was going to wheelie let up and just had a bad, you know, 50 feet pretty much. And I've got pinched off, come out fifth, spun a little bit in the second turn, like got a little pile up, uh, created some carnage behind me. So I just started in fifth, you know, first lap I come around in fifth and then, you know, the, the jitters were gone after that. And I just worked my way through the pack and put down some really fast laps. And I think by the time I got to second, there was probably four or five seconds to first. And I think with four laps to go, I made it to first and then pulled maybe another two or three seconds after that. So after that race, the, the, the nerves were gone and I was like, okay, I, I can do it. So no more jitters and, and, and game on, let's do this. And, everything was yeah yeah exactly so the second moto the start was way better it was still really sketchy there was um everyone just come in together and we were all side by side so me and jeffrey hit my bike got like a huge boost of speed it felt like and it, it actually went right into chad not intentionally just you know whole shot carnage and then we both blew wide and i actually um at the second turn i was in first so i was like all right put some heaters in and Chad was, uh, you know, right behind me, the whole moto and just put my laps in and, you know, put it on maintenance at probably three or four laps to go, just being conservative and trying not to hurt the bike or anything. If we go back to last year and we talk about your mindset, what do you think it is? You think it's all preparation in the off season that's got your mind zoned in and where you are right now? I don't know. I think being more prepared uh, mentally, I know that I'm, you know, fit. The bike works phenomenal. Uh, I'm not wanting to change setup dramatically at these races. I got a really good base setup right now and a good team at the track. Like, um, you know, a mechanic Gary and then Dean Baker has been a huge asset this year with, just making little changes and, and comments that really keep me cool and, uh, you know, kind of keep the pressure off, but at the same time are providing good input at the track and for the bike and the, the setup. And it's just, I haven't really had that much guidance, uh, you know, for the past years of someone telling me directly, like, okay, we need to do this to your, you know, to your gearing this weekend because it's going to be 
a little bit better here. If you feel like your bike's revving too high, like I can, I can understand and do that myself, but a racer doesn't want to do that and, and strive away, away from what he's already got, you know, sitting in front of him. So to, for someone else to kind of put that in your ear and make you think like, okay, if he, if he thinks it's better, I should try it. And that's what we've been doing in qualifying and um, just trying new little things. And it's been really, you know, working out for, for those tracks individually and making time up um, from the changes that we're making. It's always good when you have that. I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't say nothing. Sorry. It's always good to have that guy in your corner when he's, when he's in your ear and he's just the little things that he says just soothe you and allow you to relax and do your thing. Yeah, it, it really does. And, you know, not saying I've never had it, but you know, over the past maybe two years, it's, it's kind of been like maybe more on me. So now with him there, it's a, it's kind of relieving a little bit of stress and tension and uh, it's just cool. I mean, just fun race talking like that with him and making those changes. How is the, do you think a portion of what you're feeling is maturity? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, it's a hundred percent maturity and just the will to win. And like the knowledge I've gained from racing over the years, like I know that I could have won maybe a couple more championships from being a little bit more mature, but you know, now we're here and I just got a, a good game plan and a good program that there's no reason I can't be winning these races. And that's what I tell myself when I get to the track is like, I, I should be the best and no, I don't want to sound cocky, but like, I want to, I want to go in there and be positive and, and be confident, uh, confident, not cocky, not careless. And that's what I've been trying to do. And I just tell myself that I can, I can do it. And it's been working out. Um, even through the, the sicknesses I've had been sick at Texas, stomach bug at Aonia was a hundred percent at yeah, high point, And I feel like it showed. So just want to keep the, the positives going and, you know, stay healthy on the bike and just keep the training a hundred percent on point. The last time we talked, we didn't get real deep into your training methods. Have you changed anything from before to now? Uh, just, I think more, you know, being a little bit more consistent with it. Um, you know, I'm doing my own training and I'm helping out some other kids in the pro class too, but I think I just, it's, it's in my hands and I always was better with a plan. So now I'm doing, you know, plan weeks, uh, training week six is what I got going on right now is actually making it before I called you. And I don't know. I think it's just being more consistent. Maybe they're a little bit harder here and there. Maybe I'm addressing the, the, the body parts I felt like were weak over the years. Uh, and then my riding has just been, on a next level, like just more, more intensity in the riding and different methods to motos and, uh, just little, little things I've been learning from the, the motocross world, um, from Instagram, you know, just scrolling, seeing moto training and stuff like that. And hearing about things like that, you know, maybe the supercrest guys or moto guys have been training like, and trying to bring that to to my program and do that on my days I'm riding too. And I feel like it's really helping. You mentioned body parts that, that were maybe not where you thought they should be. 
do you have anywhere on the track that you work specifically more than others? I know you can jump like a madman. I mean, I, I would never go that big, but that that's, that doesn't seem like it's an issue to you, but is there one specific area on the track where you spend more time than others? Um, no, typically if I'm, if I'm working on something, I would, I would work on a rough section of the track because maybe that's my, my weakness. I feel like is, you know, getting through some really gnarly stuff and not being lazy through it. Um, so I do some different techniques through that. Maybe no seat, you know, one time through or, or, you know, just a variety of things to kind of keep myself on edge, but try to get through this, this rough section as best as possible. And there's some cool videos from high point where I'm, I'm going right through the roughest sections and, and the bike's working really good under me. So I feel like the setup that we've accomplished is really providing me, um, you know, the capabilities of doing it. Plus, you know, me at the track going through the hardest sections or, or charging the turns harder than maybe I did the day before. And, you know, I might blow one here and there, but then I'm understanding where, you know, where I can go from there. So I don't know. It's just, everything's been increasing the intensity of riding the people I've been riding with have been, you know, fast practicers. So it's, it's just been a huge asset lately. That's pretty awesome. Is the dirt at Deckers a bigger difference for like when you go to these other tracks, maybe that maybe like uh, it looked like there was a little bit of clay this weekend maybe some blue groove hard pack versus the sand. Is there a huge transition for you in the training going from the sand then to the hard pack? Yeah, I would say there, there's definitely a big transition for, I don't know for the setup of the bike. Yeah. But it's just, if you haven't rode tracks like high point very much, then I would say it's, it's going to be a huge transition that's kind of what I grew up riding. So I feel like I adapt really quick, even though I rode so much sand, which I love because I needed the sand riding. Um, but here in, in North Carolina, there's a lot of uh, hard pack tracks. So I got on some of them before this race and excuse me, and um, felt really good with the, the bike and the hookup and traction, CST tires digging always. And I don't know, it's just like every time I get on them tracks, I feel like, like, I don't know, like that's my territory. And, uh, like, I feel good when I'm at any hard pack track, any hard base track. I'm like, Oh man, this is, I'm going to do good here. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, you, you brought up the no seat thing and a few years back, we, when you were riding the Honda, that video came out where they took your seat off and the, the, the kids that I was hanging around with, everybody was in awe, you know, I've never seen another video with anybody else doing it. Is it, it, was it a new concept or is it something that you had seen from, from somebody else? I don't really know who had started it. Shoot. It could have been me. I, I don't know, but it's just one of them things where like, we always used to say like, if your seat falls off, you better be able to ride without it. Um, and then we would take it off and ride 10 minute motos and then it increased the 15 minute motos. And then it was, you know, doing a full 20 minute moto with no seat. Um, there's actually a video for me this winter at Decker's training with no seat. And I do that typically if the track is easier, like smoother or not super rough. Um, 
or if I, you know, it is rough, I'll still take it off to see the differences of standing the whole time versus standing and sitting, um, because you get lazy and you want to sit down. So there's, you, you feel a lot of differences in having the seat versus not having it. Obviously you want to sit down, but when you don't have it, you, you really push to not sit down and you, you know, the first time you do it, you're, you're going to ride two laps and be like, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. But, um, you just got to get comfortable and, and learn how to, you know, maneuver the bike and stretch your back in the air and uh, release the tension because it's really a good training tool, but it is maybe a little bit dangerous because then, you know, the bike's a little exposed right there and you could get hit or, or whatever. So, I mean, I wouldn't do it at every track, but maybe track you've ridden a a hundred laps at or 200 laps at, you know, try it there. It's something that if you are going to do it, make sure that you are prepared for it because it's, it it could hurt. (laughs) Right. Definitely could hurt. It is maybe a little bit dangerous. Um, but you just got to ride within your limits when you don't have the seat on. That's for sure. Did you do anything special to prep your legs and back for that? Or does it was just cold, take the seat off, go try it. Yeah, not just cold, just run it and, you know, hope that you can stand up after you do it. You understand like, okay, now I need to do, you know, a million air squats because that's what it felt like. And you know, that you just got to strengthen the legs and, or, or just continue to ride without it, um, or ride with it and really force yourself to stand up. That's what I tell maybe the younger kids is just don't sit down, don't take your seat off, but don't sit down. You know, if they fall into it or whatever, um, it's fine. It's not going to hurt them with, you know, they sit down once with the seat on, we'll, we'll let it slide. But you know, if it's not on, you're not going to let it slide. You're going to be hurt. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, Hey, we've all, we've all had that seat fall off. We've all sat down on that hard steel and it, you know, and it's, it's not fun at all. You know, no. I mean, the, the seats were notorious when, when we were riding way back and you'd lose the whole fender. Oh, oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't just a, it wasn't just a seat. It was a whole fender. Yeah. My 90 mod was like that. Lose a yeah. seat in the fender. <laughs> yeah. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. So how much of your schedule when you train, do you take and take to the younger, the younger kids that you deal with? Are they prepared uh, for something like that? I mean, I only train like one, one pro rider. So, I mean, maybe in my school, is that what you mean? Maybe in my yes, schools? Sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't clarify. Yeah. No. Okay. I get that. So in like the schools, I really don't push physical training on any kid that's younger than, I don't know, even 13 or 12 years old. I don't push it on them. I recommend it. Anyone that's under 10, uh, I just tell them they should ride, you know, because shoot, when I was that young, I was just playing outside, riding, riding my bicycle, just being active and, you know, having sort of a healthy diet at that age. It's, it's hard. They're kids. So. I wouldn't tell them like, you need to, you know, cut out your, all your fat and, you know, no sugar, all this. I wouldn't tell them that, but you know, on race day, I would tell them, Hey, maybe try to steer away from the candy and the the soda pop and that stuff. Um, but there's nothing real crucial. I tell them for that, just riding the kids that are older, you know, we would do running push-ups, pull-ups, dips, sit-ups, squats, like just basics to kind of build muscle that 
you would use riding? Do most of the, well, since you only have one pro guy that you're training now, but if you were training more pros, would, would you get into diets and things like that with them to try to help them in that aspect as well? Yeah, I would try. I'm not like a real, I'm no nutritionist at all, but I, I understand what not to do and what your body needs to, to feel good while you're on the track. So I would just recommend that they count their, uh, macros, track all their food. Um, there's an app for it called my fitness pal. You just track your stuff and you know, you, you can make a homemade peanut butter and jelly and put it on there and it'll tell you how much fats in it, protein, carbohydrates. It, it'll tell you everything about it. Um, so I recommend that to, to the pro guy I'm training obviously. And to kind of keep the numbers where I want them, um, for him and myself. And, you know, I feel like it just, it helps gain the muscle, uh, retain the, the muscle you have and, and the recovery process is better when your food intake is spot on. Um, and then obviously for racing and riding, you need the carbohydrates for the energy. Exactly. Um, are you planning to come to the West coast this year? Uh, we got a lot of stuff planned right now and up in the air. So I'm not sure. I know we talked about it and we, we really want to, um, but there's talk about going back to quad cross of nations. And I think that's in that's September 24th. Um, so I don't know, like, it's not for sure that we're going, but there has been talk about it and they're kind of posting about it now. Um, and they usually take the top three in points. So if, if that's the case, if I'm doing that, I probably won't make it to the West coast just because I'll probably be, you know, maybe a little burnout on racing at that point. Just want to take a little break, but who knows? Um, I would really like to. So we'll just see how the, the end of the year goes. Well, you and Bo are going win for win. I know it. <laughs> so it, it's a, it's, you guys are both having an extremely good year. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. He's winning. He's won them all. Yes. Oh man. That's awesome. Good for him. Well, you know, Jacob Stevens, he just yeah. got on the podium. Uh, he led, he all shot and led for a little bit. And nice. Bo ended up getting him in the, in the rough section. And, and, uh, Jacob's not used to the logs yet, but he'll, he'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. I seen a couple, couple videos and the, the post from Jacob. So that's really good for him. Second place against Bo is that's a, that's a big deal. Oh, I think and some of the race. Yeah. I mean, cause that, that is a whole different kind of world. I mean, you, you probably would excel in that environment, I think, um, because it's more, I don't know how to explain it, but when you go do it and I know you've ridden and things like that, you, you mm -hmm. probably would have been right up there either in front of Bo or banging with him to get by him because yeah. it, it was that kind of race, you know? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. It's, I've never had success at, at that place. So, or in those kind of races with any of my no. guys. So I'm, I'm glad that Jacob did great, you know, and I, and I wasn't there, but it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. That, that's really cool. Good for him. Well, we're also planning uh, to come and see you in Ohio. Oh, at Briarcliff. Yep. Nice. We're going nice. to be there. Yeah. We're going to be there and we're going to get, get, we'll get you some information Friday night. Uh, okay. That uh, we're going to, we're going to put on a, 
another press conference deal with four classes back there. And, and, Oh, nice. Yep. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be good to see you and have you out there. I'm sure oh, everyone will be pretty pumped. I want to get you guys the exposure you deserve, you know, and, and uh, yeah, you know, you're, already, you're already getting great exposure anyways, but you know, get some more. Oh, yeah. More the merrier. And, and your viewers are definitely not the same as the, the East coast um, for videographers and photographers that are here. So it's only going to be good for the sport. Yeah. I, uh, Jeremy has just been incredible. Oh, he really is. He, that's I'm having a Ryan school there next weekend. And man, he is the best to work with just a, a great guy and a, has a great track. Oh yeah. I enjoy talking to him and he's, and he's supporting us and, and helping us out and helping us lay it out. So obviously you and, and Chad and, and the other top, the top five guys will all get information from us and, cool. and um, we'll, uh, we'll let you know what time it is and everything and, and where it's yeah. going. Cause it's, I'm looking, I'm super excited. Uh, Valeria, my right hand is super excited, you know, looking forward to coming back there and yeah. we'll get to watch you guys race. And then right after that, we have to head out, but at least we'll get to come. Yeah. Back. Jet. Yeah. yeah. It's, I haven't been to a national freaking, uh, I don't even want to know how long it's been. <laughs> well, it'll be cool for you then too, to come, come experience it. There's some good racing too this year. So that tracks fast and a lot of big jumps. So you, you should like it. Uh, I, well, I can't wait. Um, yeah. Let me ask you about the, the season overall for you and, and the, the turnout, the, where the crowd behind you is, is doing um, Bryce Ford seems to be rising to the occasion. I know Max Lindquist has been having some ups and downs. Uh, Restrelli, didn't he get off at high point? Yeah. He had to get off and qualifying. Yeah, these guys have been picking it up for sure. I mean, you know, Brandon Hogue leading the whole race at Daytona until his mechanical. Um, Bryce has made almost every podium, I think, so far, except Daytona and maybe one other. Um, or no, he might have made three and just missed that one. So, you know, he's been pretty consistent sitting in third in points, so good for him. And uh rode with Max a couple times. He's looking good. Just having some, you know, one great moto and then one iffy moto. So his results aren't showing, you know, how good he's really riding, but, um, he's riding good. And then Jeffrey's programs definitely stepped up. Oh, fuck.
Battery die. Battery die. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's all right, it's brother. Like, you hear me? I can hear you. It's okay. I knew that's what happened. As soon as you went dead, I knew that's what happened. It's okay. Uh, I know that it's going to happen to me eventually. Oh, sorry. It was the speaker wasn't working right. Um, yeah, of course. If you know me, my phone's always dead. So that's about how it goes. <laughs> that's oh. okay. Let's let's freaking link this thing back up. All right. Here we go. <laughs> well, we had a little mishap there with the phone and the battery charger. Um, it's all good. Um, what's the um you were talking about you were talking about Restrelli's program uh stepping up and and getting better this year. Yeah, I mean I think he's just figured out, uh, you know, maybe something with himself, whatever he was struggling with. I feel like he's been doing better with that, um, on a physical part. Um, yeah, he, he started his own program and it seems to be doing good with that. Um, so good for him and, you know, just happy to have him out there racing still because it's, you know, it's hard to do the sport and, uh, you know, so good to have him out. So he was having some health issues from what I, from what I heard, I mean, yeah, he, he changed his whole diet up. Uh, I think he's on a plant-based diet. So he's been doing that for the past year or two, maybe. And uh, maybe that's been a little bit of his um, su- success with the physical part is being, you know, feeling a little bit better. And um, I'm not sure exactly if that was it or not, but I feel like it helped a lot because thinned out you can tell and um has been doing better at the the end of the motos to maybe where he was struggling in the years prior so uh whatever he's doing definitely definitely worked well you're still young but you're but you are getting older you know you've been racing for a long time for sure do you notice that you need to take different amounts of rest as you get a little bit older to to make sure that your body's strong for race weekend? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, I track usually every night's sleep with my watch. It tracks it, uh, my heart rate. So that right there alone can tell me how unrecovered I am or uh, how fatigued I am just by my resting heart rate while I'm sleeping. And then, you know, I wake up in the morning, I check it and see, you know, how, if it's maybe above 50, then, you know, we're going to have a, a lighter day because I feel like uh, if it was 50 to 60, I might be a little fatigued, a little tired. So <clears throat> we would, we would train, you know, accordingly for that um, day because of the, the rest period before that. And, you know, you don't want to build up too much fatigue. So then you go to the track and, and you feel like crap riding because you just trained your butt off all week. So there's like a little bit of a science to the training and, and the heart rates and, um, a lot of my training is heart rate based. So, uh, we, I usually track everything I do, uh, even the motos at the races, uh, just trying to get the numbers so I can, I can see where I'm at and try to get better at the, you know, through the year and for the next year. You log your heart rate during the race. Yeah. Yep. How much higher is your heart rate during a race than it is during a practice? Uh, it's just disgusting how high my heart rate is like typically yeah uh like genetically i just have a high heart rate so 
you know, I'm hitting max of 200. Um, and it just sounds crazy, but it's, that's what it is. Like one, 197 to 200 sometimes, depending on the event, depending on the track, the heat, um, you know, my caffeine intake, adrenaline, like everything goes into my heart rate and, uh, how high it gets that day. But typically I'll hit one nineties every single time I'll average one nineties. Um, but I can sustain that, uh, that effort for, you know, that amount of time for four times on the track. If I, I mean the two times for qualifying, I'm not, you know, my heart rate's not that high. I have rest laps and whatnot because I don't want to burn myself out, but yeah, my, my heart rate's abnormally high. Um, but it's just, it's just my genetics, I guess. And I've trained away so I can sustain it in the motos. Um, when your, your heart rate spikes, it's so hard to recover from that and, and try to keep going. And that's where, you know, sometimes mine spikes and I feel like I can still sustain that effort and that pain and just ride through it. Do you, have you, I mean, I'm sure you went to the doctor and have had it checked and had your heart checked. Do you do any blood work or is there anything that they tell you medically that you should do different? I'm pretty, I'm pretty like, I don't know. I'm pretty much as raw as it gets. I don't do blood work. Like I go off of how I feel and like, I've not been checked blood panel work, which we were, me and my wife were talking about. We need to do it, but yeah, I mean, I don't get physicals very much. Uh, I just as raw gets, I take the supplements I need, the vitamin, multivitamin every day and eat the right stuff. I still feel good on 30 next this January. So, um, I want to, I definitely need to get all that checked just to see like my testosterone levels. Um, and obviously to see if I have any maybe underlying issues, but I just never do because I, I'm just different, I guess. No, that, that's great. I, I, I know that I wasn't aware of the blood checking and all of that um, until I talked to Joe Bird and he went, you know, pretty deep with it and talked yeah. about how it, he uses, it affects his training, his diet, and then and then how he, how he races. I mean, he's checking all of this stuff all the time. And I was, yeah. that's a little extreme, but I guess it's not, you know, certain people need certain things. Yeah. That, that's the thing is, um, you know, every, everyone's body's different and, you know, for some people, um, you know, they might have a gluten intolerance or a, lactose intolerance and so they can't have certain things that they didn't know they couldn't have and maybe you know that's obviously if it kept happening stomach pain or whatever would happen to those people like I would obviously want to get checked and figure out what the heck's going on too but I never I've just ate the same same things or not steered away from really what I've been doing for a long time and um, I usually don't have any any issues so never been anything to check out on, on my end. And I don't know, I'm pretty big mental, you know, mentally, I just tell myself we're, sometimes you don't always feel your greatest. Um, but I'm there to do what I'm there to do. And sometimes you got to work through a little bit of struggle, not always going to feel hundred percent. That's for sure. But, um, it's definitely not a bad thing to get checked. And I would, I would definitely, I definitely want to do it. And now I have the, 
capabilities being where I'm at. So that might be something I'm going to do in the, in the near future. Do you want your kids to race? Yeah, I would love it. Uh, like Carly and I were talking last night we just got home and I asked Evelyn, uh, my daughter, she's three and a half. She can be four next year. And, um, we asked her, do you want to race full wheelers? And she says, no, I want to race dirt bikes. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was like, whatever you want to race something. We'll, we'll get it. She rides a little Stasic e-bike right now, like a maniac and, um, scares the crap out of me. But if that's the route she wants to take, I'll get her a little PW 50. Um, I would get her a little, you know, DR 52, but uh, she don't want to race four wheelers, then I'm just going to let her do her thing on the dirt bikes, I guess. And hopefully my boy will want to race the four wheelers with me. <laughs> let's hope, right? Yeah, let's hope. That, that's okay. How much do you, your dad built all your bikes when you were younger? Yeah. Yep. He built all my youth bikes all the way up until shoot probably my, he built my first pro bike. And then I rode for Can-Am and I went back to him in 2013, 2014. I rode for Can-Am again in 2015. I rode for my dad again. And then 2016 and on, I rode for David Eller and uh, the, the Phoenix crew. It wasn't Phoenix at the time, but it was, you know, David Eller's, you know, help at that point still. So he, my dad built a lot of my bikes through my years of racing and a lot of my success is obviously from him building a really good machine. and. Um, yeah, I had a pro-am championship with him on the, the Kawasaki. So he's, yeah, he's, he's got to figure it out. We had really good luck, really, really awesome machines. You still have a good relationship, I'm, I'm, I'm sure? Oh, yeah. My dad was, he goes every race still. How does, how does he do it standing on the sidelines watching? Uh, it's funny. Sometimes I'll see him on the track screaming and pounding on his chest and just, he's so into it and he's so passionate about it that like, that's kind of where I feel like I got it from is, is from him and his dad and my uncle and just my whole family was, were racers. So I don't know. I have the, I have it in me and I have, you know, I just don't stop. Like there's just no quit in, in me or, or any of my family that that has been a racer it's just like either we're just too dumb to quit or or <laughs> you know, we're, we're bad dudes but um you know i feel like i've gained a lot of a lot of good things from uh from the men on the side of the family and, and their mentality is in the just the aspects of life from them that's that's awesome i, I always wanted to ask you about your dad because uh, even on the West coast, you hear about him and building the kids stuff and, and some of the things that he does and, and that he's such a huge cheerleader for you. And I just think that's awesome because uh, I was probably a more reserved dad when my son was racing. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't worry. I wasn't nervous for him. Um, I was still Doug Eichner's mechanic. I was more nervous. Doug was going to the line than really? my son was racing. So uh, I get it. It, it. It's, it's a special thing to watch your son go out there and do that. And especially having the success that you have, man, he's probably about to be beside himself. Yeah. I would only, I, I don't know that feeling, but 
I know the feeling for me is, is really cool and it makes me feel good just to, to have the support I do. And I would only hope that one day one of my kids can, uh, you know, do something really amazing that they want to do and, and pour their heart into it too. And I get to watch it because that, that would definitely make me proud to have, uh, you know, one of them do whatever, whatever they want to do in life, but just to, to the max and just see them grind like I'm doing. I mean, it's just, it's hard work and, but it's fun at the same time. It's fun to win. So I'm just going to try to instill that in them as, um, have fun doing it but winning doesn't come easy and you have to work for it. So that's, uh, that's any more that's hard to get out of, the, out of these kids. And I really think that I, I'm going to try to instill that the best I can. That's, that's the only thing you can do as a dad. Mm-hmm. So we have six rounds left to go. Yeah. Six. What's your forecast for the next round? It's Ironman, correct? Yeah. Ironman. Good, good track. Have it. Last time we were there, I uh, won my second title. So coming off a good, good year from there, heading into, you know, this year with the the races we've had under my belt, feeling pretty good, confident going in there. Love the track. Um, just want to go there and do some damage and, and try to win some more motos, add, add to the win streak and obviously have some fun doing it. Like high point was a blast for me racing the first moto, especially battling through and being able to come up and win that race. And like the second moto was just the whole shot and go, but, um, just want to have some more good battles and good race and really show the the effort that I've been putting in. Well, it's definitely showing. I saw a, a, a post about history of you. You've won 102 motos. Yeah, that's and 48 or 49 overall, 48 overalls, 48 overalls. Yep. Where does that put you in the leaderboard for all time? Are you leading the charge, man? No, I'm not leading uh, the charge. I know Chad has like 60, maybe 62 or. I don't know. I have it in my notes on my phone, I think, because that's obviously a goal of mine to, to beat right. him. Uh, so I had to look, but. I still got a ways to go. I got at least 13, 14 more to be at his, his level. I don't know his win moto win count. I might be very close to him on that. I've won a lot of motos. Um, so I don't know. We're, we're close. I don't know the other guys like Wimmer, um, Creamer. I don't know. I feel like I've raced pro class longer than they were in pro class. So I've probably had, maybe some more than them guys by now. Maybe Natalie's numbers. I would like to know Jeremiah's would be cool to know. Um, who's a four-time champ, Tim Farr. Uh, I would obviously like to know Gary Denton's, but it's hard because I think he raced some flat track to get some of them titles. I don't remember. It was TT motocross for his whole career. Oh yeah, it was too. So, I mean, that would have to count them too. That would be cool to get a whole rundown of that and really just kind of see where I stack up like Supercross when they announce their, you know, lineup. It's cool to see that. It, it really is. For the longest time, it was Ricky Johnson. And then Jeremy McGrath came in there and just freaking blew that out of the water. I yeah. mean, unbelievable, but yeah, it yeah. is. Do you, you obviously pay attention to the history. Yeah. I mean, 
I know as much as, you know, I've been around since the early 2000s. So it, I've been in a little bit of it. I was obviously young and probably just, you know, riding my pit bike around getting pros autographs at the time, but I was still there and experienced a lot of uh, good pro racing and, and seen a lot of the best guys and raced with a lot of the best guys. My question was, do, is your goal to put your stamp in the history books? Yeah, of course. Uh, shoot, I want to go out of here with five, six championships. Uh, that's my goal was always five and came up short on a couple of them. So we're still, still here for it. I would like to race for another 10 years. Um, but I don't know if my body will let me for one. And I don't know. We'll just see how it goes. I want to get obviously let's say we have 48, 48 overalls, 22 more. I would like to get like 75 overalls, 80 overalls, five championships, moto wins. Don't know, but I just want to get up on, get up so high on the board that my stamp will be there for a long time. I've done this too long to not go out with some, some really cool numbers and, and some success in in my opinion, but so have a lot of people. So, you know, I just got to stay working hard and, um, you know, stay healthy and positive. How many destination titles do you guys have? Totally. The team has three. I have, I've been there twice. Um, Jeffrey went the one year I didn't go. So that's, that's kind of a big stamp too, because none of the other guys that came before you got to experience that. Yeah. They got exactly. to go to rendezvous or some beach races, but they didn't get to go, you know, to the designations like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like just that is a, a huge accomplishment being with, you know, the other 17 countries that race the, the best in the world of their country or best in the, in their country. And, um, for us to go over there and, and race and be the best, uh, ATB racers in the world three times in a row, myself being a part of it for two, it's obviously that's, a that's something that will be remembered. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a big stamp in the history book for ATV motocross for sure. I want to ask a couple more questions and I'm going to let you go. Cause I know you got little ones waiting. <laughs> How much comparison do you get, or do you get involved with many of the motorcycle guys? Uh, I don't really get involved with them other than the guys on the Phoenix team. Um, I ride with them frequently here and there. Uh, I actually rode with Colin Park right before I left for high point, um, at a, at a pretty cool private track, huge jumps of this track. So stuff like that's really fun to me, but we don't really get to interact as much as maybe we, we could, or we should, but, um, just them guys are busy and I'm in, I'm in the same boat. We're always riding training. So with, with the guys on the team here at Phoenix, I can hang out with them and see them. But uh, other than that, I don't really get to see many. Do the, how do the guys then you're on the team with you take it that you can beat them? Shoot. Uh, I don't know if I could beat all of them. There's some, there's some pretty fast ones. Oh, come but, on. <laughs> I think it'd be a pretty good outdoor race if uh, the guys that ran 250s ran 250s and the guys that ran 450s, obviously. I think he's our only guy on 450, but he thrips. We've been riding together and 
Um, it, it would just depend on the track and the distance of the race because he's got some speed. Um, but maybe I have a little bit more endurance towards the end, but he's been, he's been training for Loretta's this year. So he's, he's gonna be a tough opponent. Um, Colin, when he's on his two fifty, when we rode last, I feel like I was faster than him at this little track we rode, but I don't know. And then we rode that private track the other day and we were pretty close in times maybe, but it's a, it's always, that's always interesting because when we ride together, obviously all of us, they don't want to get beat by me. Of course I'm on a quad. So <laughs> I got to work really hard because they're working extremely hard to beat me. Do they ever get on the quad and give it a try? They haven't just cause they're, they were in season. Heath has before last or two years ago, maybe he did at club MX. Um, they actually jump a couple jumps and then they're just body positions was way off. Other than that, they were, they're talented riders, so they could figure it out. Uh, but th they would, their jumping skills are not there. They don't like to get off the ground. <laughs> I used to use my two wheeler to jump the jump and then come back and jump it on the quad because that Great was idea. I was afraid to do it on the, on the, on the quad, but I would do it on the two wheeler. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. You got so much more, uh, I guess if you case a jump, you got some more insurance on, on the dirt bike that you're going to be okay than the full wheeler. I, I don't know what it was. I just always would, would go do the track, do all the jumps that I could do. And then no problem. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Joel, I want to thank you again so much for taking time out of your, away from your family to, to sit down and talk with me and give me a recap on your season. We're going to get this posted right away for you and, and get it out there so everybody can hear it. Um, you're having an amazing season, a historical season. It looks, looks like to me, nothing against Chad. I, I, I think the world of him too. Um, he's just, uh, he's, he's chasing the eight ball right now. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I totally appreciate it. Year has been amazing. So Thank you. Hope to get back on here with you and talk uh, in, in the near future. Just got to keep the ball rolling on my end and, and keep having fun and staying positive. Well, make sure that we can hook up in, in Ohio and, uh, and talk a little there. Oh, for sure. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.